Chickens and things to episode 47 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. I love Packleds and I'm Jarman, and we are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? The Muppets and Star Trek. We have been doing and will continue to do one to one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest Zero Mostel and Star Trek original series episode, The Immunity Syndrome. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> so, Steve, what can you tell us about? I, I was actually pleasantly surprised because I brought up the name Zero Mostel and my girlfriend lit up because she's a theater teacher and she loves Zero Mostel. So oh, yeah. tell us about Zero Mostel. He's an American performer and comedian. He was actually blacklisted during the Red Scare oh, by wow. the House of Un-American Activities Committee. Huh. But in the 60s, he made a splashback on Broadway in productions like A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And he really made the role of Tevya. Ah, yes. And Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, But he hurt his knee real bad at one point. And by the 70s, he was mostly moving into smaller supporting roles. And this episode was actually produced just a few months before his death. Yeah, I I happened to see that in the trivia for this episode that he died like two months after this episode came out. And if if you've heard a recording of uh, Fiddler on the Roof, it's probably Zero Mistel's version. It's pretty wonderful. Uh, But what does our audience know him from? Uh, He played the lead of Max in the Gene Wilder version. uh, Gene Wilder's The Producers. Yeah. Uh, But not much else. And Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Fiddler on the Roof. I'm just saying that, like, that's a film that more people are going to have seen. That's true. If you're not a theater person, you probably weren't. Pop culture, that's already going to know. You're absolutely right. But this week, backstage, Sam is excited to class up for Zero Mostel. Kermit falls short on the payroll and Uncle JP agrees to pay it if Kermit has lady wrestlers on. (laughs) Sam is dismayed. Zero makes fun of him behind his back endlessly. And all the while, Kermit struggles to find a second lady wrestler. (laughs) On stage, the show opens with Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem playing Chopin's Polonaise and A-flat and it classes up the place. (laughs) Zero appears as the king and performs a song, What Do the Simple Folks Do, where a, uh, a royalty contemplates what peasants do with their spare time. Uh, follow this we after this we get Nat the Dance where it's all tennis based jokes. Strangely enough. And it's okay. <laughs> uh, we then get to the Muppet, uh, Muppet Lab visit where Bunsen has been working on magnetic carrots. And the only issue is that they attract metal rap, metal rabbits and one breaks in and, and wrecks Beaker. <laughs> Up next is Zoot and Rolf playing smokes smoke gets in your eyes as more and more smoke comes out of Zoot's sacks. <laughs> that sounded, that sounded bad. You said, okay, never mind. Zoot sacks. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, it's fine. I said it right. <laughs> After that, we get Zero alone in his study performing a poem about confronting his fears, and it's spectacular mm. as monsters creep in and out of frame. Uh, Animal then takes the stage to do a solo drum number that's so hot that it sets the drums on fire. <laughs> Finally, we get the lady wrestlers. Kermit, unable to find a second wrestler, has to step in and perform as mysterious Miss Mask. <laughs> but Granny the Gouger is having none of it and uh, destroys him. Luckily, Piggy steps in to save Kermit and defeat the local wrestler. 
Kermit comes out to thank Zero. Zero comes out and declares he is joining the monsters on the show. Hmm. And that is what we call the Muppet Show. Granny the Gouger. What a great name. (laughs) Jarman, what did you think of this week's episode of the Muppet Show? And what did you think of Zero Mostel? So even though it was kind of an unconventional episode, we you know didn't have some our staples. Um, it was still Zero Mostel is a Muppet, like uh, he just fit right oh, yeah. in. <laughs> so, and what first made me realize this was going to be a good episode was when he was playing the king in that segment, and he started dancing around, and it was just so subtle and funny and ridiculous, like pointing his toe and then pointing back in, pointing his toe. I just started laughing like crazy. He was just and his eyes and his looks that he gave um, Sam the Eagle later was hilarious and. Um, he's felt totally comfortable with the Muppets. It's one of those guys who just felt like he was part of the team. Um, so me, I don't know. This is, this has gone up to one of my top episodes. Actually, uh, I would, I would have to agree. Zero just, uh, similar to, I think Peter Ustinov is the other one we often identify. He just became a Muppet. Yes. And really went for it and interacted and performed and showed range. Even mm-hmm. in that one number, what did the simple folk do? He got to show off dancing and operatic singing. Yes. Uh, and big, foolish acting and movement and all of that. In He's one number. And what helps I'm realizing with these guest hosts is what's a special guest, right? Not guest hosts, right? Special guest. Special yes. guest is that when they are good like this with the Muppets, they make you forget that they're puppets. And it's it's when we have a stiff guest like the Bob Newharts and that kind of thing. Uh, not Bob Newhart, Bob Hope, sorry. Bob, Hope. Bob Newhart, I'm sure, is fantastic. But Bob Hope is like you you keep remembering that he's sitting there with a puppet because he's making you feel like you're there with a puppet. Whereas someone like Zero Mostel is so comfortable that you're like, oh, he's just acting with Kermit. You know, like it just feels like he's there, you know. So it really did take me there. I think this was one of the top episodes. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, him and Sam the Eagle, when Sam goes up to his dressing room and he's just behind him making fun of him <laughs> and doing quick cutaways, which is so big and over the top. And that fear, uh, figments of your fear oh segment, amazing, like just really entertaining. Just if you haven't seen this, folks, and you have Disney Plus, check it out. It's one of the better episodes you'll watch of Muppet Show. Absolutely. Uh, music this week. Mm-hmm. Polonaise and A-flat, written by Chopin, who hmm. animal screams multiple times. Chopin! He was a sickly child and suffered from tuberculosis a few times throughout his life. Um, but there's been wide debate about his death. And in 2017, the Polish government finally agreed to let them exhume some of his remains. Wow. And they found that he had a condition that was swelling around his heart. Oh. And he didn't die of tuberculosis after all. Hmm. <laughs> uh, what did the simple folk do from Lerner and Lowe's Camelot? In the original cast was Muppet, fellow Muppet show guest Julie Andrews. And was the Broadway debut of a young Robert Goulet. Oh, I have the recordings of him singing those Camelot songs. And it was this show and his appearances on things like the Ed Sullivan show to promote it uh, that made him a household name. Robert Goulet. (laughs) Smoke It's In Your Eyes from a 1933 musical called Roberta by Harbach and Kern. This actually starred last week's episode's guest, Bob Hope. Oh, that's right. Smoke gets in your eyes. Jeremy, <laughs> what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? I mean, maybe it was simple, but it didn't look like it was. But the figments of, of Mostel's fears, that segment was just amazing. So many little Muppets that would come in and, and go around him. And then and the suddenly timing needed to be precise. He'd say, and then you disappear. And they all disappear immediately. It was just really amazing. I, I love that whole sequence. Uh, I agree. That's top. And then I'm almost going to give it to zero himself. And I know it's a cop out, but he really <laughs> stepped up and Muppeted out Muppeted some Muppets this week. He was a freaking and even Muppet. At the end said he was going to join the monsters. 
I, I love that. And the fact that he pulled his like hairpiece up at one point, that was just so funny. <laughs> just uh, amazing. Yeah. I just, I think zero, if anything was the highlight of this week's episode, which is not always the case. Absolutely. Bob hope. With the, with, with the guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this week's star Trek episode, we have the immunity syndrome, which I, as I think I mentioned last week, uh, maybe once that I didn't remember what this episode was about or what this was. And, and now I kind of remember why, um, as uh, Steve texted me while he was watching this, it was kind of a bottle episode. It's uh, all contained it is within the, the most ship. Bodily of bottle episodes, <laughs> yes, maybe ever. And if you haven't heard that term before, folks, it just means that they're kind of using all their stock sets, not really going outside of that to a planet or anything. It's just on the not ship, even, and, and, and almost no other actors. There was like one guy, right? Who's maybe not a super regular. No real guest stars or anything like that. So it's kind of contained, and yeah, we'll get into it. So uh, the Enterprise is going to go for some much needed R&R, but they're nearby when a Vulcan ship complement is completely killed all at once and Spock can feel it psychically from there. And right after that, basically, Starfleet orders the Enterprise to go investigate what happened to that ship, the Intrepid. As they get closer, Chekhov is scanning because Spock is taken away to go to the sick bay because he couldn't handle the giant shockwave of mental energy. And Chekhov finds out that the whole solar system, not just that ship, was killed, basically is dead. Um, As the Enterprise approaches, they see a random dark zone in front of them and they try to scan it. And as they do, a shockwave hits the Enterprise, making all of the crew sick and faint and tired and exhausted and some worse than others. So Spock comes back and does some tests on the dark zone, but can't quite figure it out. But he surmises that it is the cause of the death in the solar system and the crew of his Vulcan ship that he could feel. So they launch a probe, an unmanned probe into the dark zone. But all that does is cause this loud, piercing noise to permeate through the Enterprise and make everyone more tired and sick. So bones keep shooting up everyone full of stimulants to keep them, you know, at their posts, which is not good. Uh, The Enterprise then goes further toward the zone and they finally enter it. And now no stars are visible at all, just blackness. And Bones reports that everyone's getting worse. And Scotty reports that now the ship is being drained of its power. So Spock theorizes that they must have entered into some negative energy zone and that it drains biological and mechanical processes. So they're kind of getting all their energy drained. And also everything seems to be backwards here as far as propulsion. Uh, with the ship, they, if they go forward or backward, it seems like to be opposite. So Kirk orders a massive burst of energy to go forward to try to shoot them back out of the field. But it doesn't work. And it brings the ship to a standstill completely because they're almost out of power. Finally, they see in front of them the cause of all this, which is a giant amoeba looking thing, like a single celled organism. And it's right in the middle of all the blackness. And they launch another probe into it, but it can't get enough data to help them figure out how to destroy it or get out of there. So they figure they need to send a manned probe in there like a shuttlecraft to get the appropriate data. So both Bones and Spock think they are the right man for the job and they should be sent out there. But Kirk knows that it's probably a suicide mission. and He doesn't want to send either of his good friends out there. So after a lot of thinking, he decides to send Spock in because he can probably handle it a little better physically and emotionally being a Vulcan. So Spock gets in the shuttlecraft. He heads towards the amoeba. He figures out the thing to do. The thing the amoeba is about to reproduce. And if it does, it's it'll be enough combined power to destroy probably eventually the whole galaxy if it keeps reproducing. So they have to destroy it somehow. Um, And Spock finds out a way to destroy it, but he loses contact with the Enterprise, so he can't tell them. And eventually, after talking with Bones, Kirk figures out the best way to destroy it for some reason is to act like an antibody for a virus. So he tells Scotty to send enter the amoeba with the Enterprise and set off an antimatter bomb with a seven, seven minute delay. 
So they set off the bomb with a delay and pretty miraculously, they don't really explain exactly how they barely escaped the blast. And along with Spock and the shuttlecraft, they're blown clear of the blast and back into regular space. The Amoeba's destroyed. They save the day and they get full power back somehow as well and on towards their vacation. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> so, that sounds right. So, Steve, what do you think of this episode, the bottle episode? Uh, so, things I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy single cell reveal was cool. Yeah, that's true. I, I found myself, and maybe I'm watching the remastered version on Netflix, but for whatever reason, this episode looked extra crisp. Mm. And extra clean, and I'm not sure why. There were a lot more close-ups, yeah, in this episode than normal, like full-frame face close-ups of McCoy, and then cut back to Spock, like where you could really just see the wrinkles in their face. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure what it was specifically, but for whatever reason, this episode just looked really nice. It did actually. That's true. Uh, I like the dismay between Spock and McCoy, and I think in the end, it was kind of a cool nod to how Spock has maybe changed Kirk. Mm. because Spock was the logical choice. Right. That's true. And um, he wouldn't want to send his best friend out there, but he is the logical choice. Things I disliked. Uh, when did Spock become a Jedi? <laughs> what do you mean? Feeling the, like, the, the screams coming out. Right, from- right. Like I, we've seen him read the, the, the mind of a wild animal before. And we've seen him make someone come into a room from close from by. But for him to be like, no, Vulcans died somewhere. Ah, like, it would just seemed insane <laughs> even for this. Well, I think they, they didn't even address that. And they said, like, I thought you could only read someone's mind by touching them. And he's like, you know so little about Vulcan culture and that kind of thing. And to be fair, they go into that further in later Star Trek, showing that, you know, there is a you can even speak through the distance of space through Vulcan connections of mind. Um, so it's just yeah, you need to be very practiced. Like it, 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 at this point, it, I can totally see how it seems like Huey and I. That's totally fair. Totally um, fair. And then, as as we said, it was just kind of slow and bodily, and you knew they couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> like right. You knew they weren't going to beam down. Like that was not this episode. I remember I paused to get to the bathroom, and I was like, "Oh, it's probably almost over." And it was only halfway over. I'm like, "Oh, Jesus! Oh my god, this yeah. is a slow so, episode." Some pacing <laughs> issues, uh, and there have been other episodes where there's been like an indirect enemy. Mm-hmm. That were good. This was not one of them. Because <laughs> not even really an enemy at all, like really, until they found out what right. the hell it was. And they've done faceless enemies before. They've done that, and for whatever reason, this one just sucked worse than most of those. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a filler episode, it feels like. Yeah. So you got some factoids for us? I do. And we'll guess so it's pretty much towards the bottom of, the, of our barrel then for <laughs> our Star Trek so far. Zero Mostel towards the top. This one towards the bottom. Um, just a couple of factoids. Even the, the IMDb factoid section and uh, Memory Alpha was pretty dry for this one. Um, this is the last time the interior of a shuttlecraft is shown in the series, which is actually pretty surprising to me because we have a lot more episodes really? left. Um, this is the first episode ending with a Paramount television logo instead of the Desilu logo after Desilu was sold to Paramount Pictures. So I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting historical factoid. Um, the final bit of Kirk looking at a crew woman and repeating his line about hoping to get some rest on some lovely planet was not on the, in the script. It was added by William Shatner and the director, Joseph Pevney, during filming. So for little, sexism reasons. Yes, for the pervy reasons at the end from a stare at the lady and be like, I'm going to get with my crewman who's I'm, I employ. That's fucked up. Uh, so <laughs> that was a thing. 
So do we have any uh, Trek connections, Muppet connections this time around? Oh, boy, do we. <laughs> kind of. Uh, Zero became famous for the role of Tevya, for to learn the roof. Mm-hmm. And in the Family Guy episode, When You Wish Upon a Weinstein, oh, William God. Shatner is depicted playing Tevya. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy also once did a eight-week tour as Tevya in 1971. Wow, I would love to have seen that. Uh, Zero starred in the 1969 movie The Great Bank Heist. In this movie was also John Fielder, who was in one of our recent Star Trek episodes, Wolf in the Fold, uh, but who most of our audience better knows is the voice of Piglet. Oh, yeah, that guy. He was in The Great Bank Heist with Zero Mostel. Nice. That's Talk it, about right? some similarities. These <laughs> were basically the same episode. Oh, they were so similar. Um, why don't you go first? Both feature the person in charge making a tough choice. Kirk deciding between McCoy and Spock, and Kermit deciding to go on in place of a lady wrestler. <laughs> That's a really nebulous one. I uh, might are like They're that, all too. Nebulous as we do. Uh, the Enterprise can get some R&R if they do this one last mission, just as J.P. Gross will pay for the Muppets payroll if they just put on some gold, good old-fashioned entertainment. <laughs> That's right. Both involve people watching a simile of reality on a TV show. Uh, TV screen, Statler and Waldorf seemingly watching themselves on television, and McCoy shows Kirk an amoeba on a screen to demonstrate the creature outside. Wow. Uh, Oh, God, it's done. (laughs) Uh, Zero, Mostel, has fears personified with the Muppets and his little figments of fear. But really, they should have feared him all along, as he reveals in the end, because he's a figment of their fears and imagination. Just as the Enterprise feared the amoeba, but the amoeba should have feared them all along. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both involve an unusual form of life, the 11,000-mile-long single-celled organism and the steel <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> oh, God, what's Transporter that sound? Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right, so here's the part of the show where we transfer transport one character from one episode to the other episode and vice versa. What you got for us this week, Steve? Trek to Muppets this week. I've got the creature coming over to replace the lady wrestler. Oh, God. Slowly smothering and draining life out of Kermit and then destroying the universe. That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> All right. Trek to Muppets for me. Uh, in uh, the Spock will transfer over to be Zero Mostel in the Figment of Fears segment. And he'll just very logically explain why fear is irrational and illogical. <laughs> okay. Look, I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got Zero coming over also to replace Spock, uh, and it wouldn't make any damn sense, but it would still make me giggle. <laughs> and I had Zero Mostel coming over to play the amoeba. Oh, <laughs> he just okay. sucks up their energy by making funny faces at them. <laughs> yes, and doing dances. <laughs> exactly. And I guess that brings us to the end of episode 47 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Pachula Clark. An original series episode, A Private Little War. That's right. Next episode is the season two finale it's of the of, Muppet Show. Yeah, Muppet Show, not Star Trek, but we'll figure not that Star out Trek. when we Star get Trek there. Star Trek runs longer. So we're going to talk about uh, some best and worse. It's going to be a real good time. It'll be fun, guys. Check it out. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.